Father God, Lord, thank you that we've got Scott here sharing with us today, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you just fill him afresh with your spirit, God, that speaks your word for each and every single one of our different situations, God. And Lord, I pray that you give us all ears to hear, God. That, yeah, like I said before, that we're to come in on one level, but that we'll go out on another, Jesus. Lord, that we'd leave here with this bigger picture of our lives in you, God. In your great and awesome name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. How's everybody doing this morning? Very good. Very good? You guys doing well? well I'll tell you what, it's a real privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. And uh, I've had the privilege of knowing uh, Pastor James and Jess here for just uh, a few months now. And i tell you what, uh, I feel like we've known each other our entire lives, really. We've, we've stayed in contact the last few months just communicating about what God's doing right here at Destiny Church is exciting. Uh, I don't know if you're as excited as I am, but I'm pretty pumped about what God's doing in your life, right? Like there's, there's, a, there's something to be said about a life-giving church that's been planted in a community that has the heart to lift up the name of Jesus, right? To evangelize, to tell people about Christ. How many know that is our responsibility? And it just pleases me to know that there's such fine folks like these two that have given their life away to seeing the gospel spread. That's the kingdom message. We all have a responsibility to that message, right? And it's awesome to see you guys take it so seriously. Man, you're doing a great job, man. It just really is awesome. This facility's amazing, right? I wasn't expecting this, right? You know, you played it down a little bit. And so I was like, man, this is great. Get up here. You have a beautiful place to meet. Look at the view outside this window. And you guys get to live here. Not fair. <laughs> I wish you could see where I come from. It doesn't look anything like this. Uh, you have to go a long way to find a decent view like this. And uh, so count your blessings, man. You guys are in a great place. And today I pray that I'll just, I really, I came to encourage you. Encourage you as a church. I came to encourage you as believers. I want to be clear. Like, we're on the same team. Nothing pleases me more than to be able to connect with those who are going after uh, the love of the Lord, who are going after Christ, who are pursuing relationship with Him. That is actually what He wants from us. He wants relationship. And uh, nothing pleases me more to be able to link arms across the globe and say, wow, how can I encourage you? How can I get behind what you're doing? How can I support it? How can I tell more people about the great things that are happening right here in uh, Destiny Church? And uh, got a great team with us. You probably noticed them. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure nothing to do with the black shirts or anything, but we're not some strange cult. Uh, there won't be weird, there won't be weird chants or anything that come from us. They're they're actually pretty decent folks, and uh, and a couple of these are family members, and some are, are working with us as staff. And uh, just so that you know, we've been on and off in Hong Kong for quite some time. Uh, my dad started doing ministry here about 18 years ago, 17 years ago, something like that. And man, uh, that's a long time to be coming in and out of Hong Kong. We've been spending a lot of our time uh, going into China and uh, doing some ministry there. But in the last couple of years, we felt like the Lord really has refocused our attention uh, right here at Hong Kong, just reprioritizing some of the things we've done, realizing that we didn't want to just be kind of a stop-off. We didn't want Hong Kong to be a stop-off to a bigger mission field. How many know that the mission field is all that are lost? All that are lost. Right? There is no like region for that. There's no, the only qualification is those who don't know him. And then every, everything else for me, for you, 
should be our pursuit to say, you know what, that's who we're to go after. And so we had not given the due diligence to this community. And so, you know what, we turned our attention here just to say, how can we help? How can we support? That's how I ran into this good-looking guy who just is going to turn 32. And do you guys realize your pastor is going to turn 32 tomorrow? Do you know this? You should celebrate this guy. Is it 32? He literally just found out this morning that he was going to turn 32. He thought it was going to be 33. Right? So he got a year back, right? Who would like a year back? Man, I wish I could get like 10 years back. That would be awesome. Well, I can't. So uh, let me just say to, to you guys, let me say thank you to our team. This is my sister, right? She's here. Her daughter is right here. This is Grace. That's Deliska. Grace. Helen, who has been serving with us uh, in China and serving with us from Wuhan. And so we're glad to have her with us. This is Julie, who you've already come to know. Uh, Beth, who you know, who's right over here. They've been serving with us here in Hong Kong, doing a great job. And they're helping you guys out. We love that. And then, then the best part of my life is here. And this is my wife right here. Uh, and so the truth is that, uh, and I know what you're thinking. How can a guy so old get such a young wife? And so I, I realized that, but uh, uh, <laughs> that's my sister laughing at me. That's great. Um, but she's the best thing that's happened to me. And she's, uh, I tell you what, uh, a real gift. And anything good that I've become outside of Jesus is accredited to her. And, uh, and so I appreciate her. Hey, listen, I, I'm, again, I, I want to share with you just briefly uh, today um, from the word of the Lord, obviously. But I, I want to try to encourage you from uh, the life of somebody you may or may not be familiar with. But I started thinking about this a couple of days ago, James, and we were walking around down by the, the pier down here. Uh, we were just kind of walking and seeing the fishermen come in and the boats. And, and uh, we were just like soaking that in. It's just pretty exciting for us. And I was you know, leaning over as the boats were coming in and they're chopping up fish and people are buying. And it's just like, it was like such a surreal kind of moment. And I, and I just kept thinking, how, how do I help communicate what I feel like God called us here to do? And that is his love, his compassion, his care for each and every one of us. How do I do that from the eyes of what you're experiencing here every day? And immediately I thought, you know what? I'm going to tell you a story about Peter. Peter was found on the water, wasn't he? Right? You, you remember anything about his story. When Jesus finds him, he finds him fishing. And so I thought, man, what a great, what a great launching pad. Let's start, let's start there. Let's look at, at how Peter was found. And then let's just kind of maybe fast forward his life a little bit, if it's okay with you. And then kind of see how it ended too. And, and I think we're going to learn some real valuable lessons about what it means to follow Christ. Will you pray with me real quick? And then we'll go to the scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. To uh, John, um, excuse me, to Matthew four, and we're going to start with verse eighteen. Lord, we honor you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. God, we thank you for your Son Jesus. We recognize today that there is nothing that we have, nothing that we can do. There is absolutely nothing we're capable capable of outside of you outside of your son, outside of the sacrifice that you made with your son Jesus. We are so grateful. We are thankful. We stand here today absolutely overwhelmed by your love and your grace today. Help us, God, to see clearly your word. Help us to walk away encouraged today. And God, we will give you the glory, the honor, and praise for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I prayed for me. Maybe not for you, but it's for me, right? I've done this for years. I've been preaching for... 
what, 18, almost 20 years now I've been doing ministry. I've been at uh, my local church. It's in Huntsville, Alabama. Don't look it up. You can't find it. Um, It's tucked away in North Alabama in the south of the United States. I've been serving there almost 17 years uh, as a pastor, and we love it there. It's been an amazing time. And um, so regardless of where I'm at, though, there's something about when you stand behind this pulpit and you stand before other believers and you recognize that what I'm about to say is that I stand in the gap and I'm trying my best to communicate what he feels about you. Not that you're not capable of hearing it, but coming to church is a chance for us to encourage one another in the faith. That's why I pray. Ask the Lord to give me the strength and the courage to say what he puts on my heart. And today, he put on my heart about Peter. This is how it reads, like when Peter's found, right? Uh, Matthew 4, verse 18 says, On uh, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and also Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. In your translation, I don't know which translation you're reading from, but oftentimes that said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, right? I'll make you fishers of men. I, I, I pause here long enough to think about this, is that in each and every one of our lives, we've all been found just like Peter was found, just like uh, his brothers were found doing what they felt like or what they were called to or what their family business was, just doing what they knew to do. But it was Jesus who came along and redirected the course of history in their life. I don't know about you, but when Jesus stepped into my life, it redirected the course of history. All parts of my life changed and adjusted. Things that maybe took time to change, but they're in a process. Same thing with Peter. And I want to go with this phrase right out of the gate where he says, follow me. Follow me. Two things you want to notice about that. First of all, when he says, follow me, the responsibility of us is to follow. It's an action that we must take. He calls, but it's up to us to respond. You must take the step. Follow me. But he follows it with this, this other statement, I'll make you. That's his responsibility. Oftentimes when you say yes to Jesus, you wonder like, okay, well, I've said yes, so now I have to start doing to prove that I've changed or I've done something. But the, the, that's not your work. Works is not is what's going to save you. Works is not what brings you in tighter relationship with him. It's not works. It's just being in him. My responsibility to his call is to follow. His responsibility is to make me into something that I'm not. Isn't it interesting, too, that he, he uses the same industry they're in as fishing, right? And he says, I'm, I'm, I, I get that you're fishers, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to translate you into something brand new. You said, bring us out of one dimension into another. What happened right here in Peter's life? One dimension into another, just like that. He's he essentially, essentially, he's saying this. He's like, hey, Peter, you're doing the right thing. You're just doing it the wrong way. You're fishing. That's right. But I need to redirect you on what that skill set's for. I, I've given you a skill, but the skill is for men. It's not actually for the fish. It says that Peter, when he sees this, he responds to the Lord and he says, I'm going to follow you. Have you ever been in a position and when you said yes to Christ, 
that you hadn't just all completely let go of who you were? I wish it were as easy as when Christ said, follow me, that when you turned, life just got easier. I don't know about you, but when I said yes to Jesus, it didn't get all roses, right? It wasn't just picture perfect. It wasn't just everything that I did from here on out just happened to be blessed. And wow, I am now financially stable in ways I've never thought I would ever be. Wow, look at all the open doors. Yes, those things come. But how many know that oftentimes it didn't happen quite that quick? How about some of my old habits that I continue to hold on to, even though he's put his finger on it and said, hey, those things may need to go, but the struggle to hold on to it because they've actually become identity to me. See, Peter is struggling with that same thing. If you know anything about Peter, you know this. Peter was a wild man. Uh, you don't believe me. You look, you're looking at me like, no, I don't know. No, no Peter was wild. He, he fought outside the box. He was a lion. He was, he was so bold in every area of his life. Peter's the guy that, that when Jesus is walking on the water is crazy enough to get out on the water. He just is crazy enough to believe because Jesus said so I can walk on water. I'm just telling you, I would like to ask after this service, we'll ease down to the water. Now let's give it a go. Let's try it. And I have a feeling there'll be a few of us to say, come on, you're, you're crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to think that a man would just willingly step up out of the boat. But he was wild enough to believe that if God asked me to do it, I, I just have to believe it can be done. Don't you know the ridicule that he got from the other disciples? Can you imagine those guys, right, frustrated? Peter, you should have never got out of the boat to begin with, right? Isn't that what we typically do, right, with other believers? Well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you should have played it safe, Peter. Like, what are you thinking, right? You can't walk on water. Are you Jesus, right? That comparison that often comes up in the body. But, but Peter's wild like that. He's like, I don't care. I'm getting out. But you notice Peter's the only one that did get out of the boat that day. He's the only one brave enough. I'm, Peter was, Peter was, um, he was quick to respond. He, he like always had action to something. Uh, Peter tried to cut a man's head off. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give you a picture of what the, who we're talking about today. I'm not, I'm not talking about like the mild and meek mannered uh, uh, Pastor James. Like just just so English about everything, right? Just, you know, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, Peter was, the, Peter was the, the Viking, the Icelandic type. He was a Viking. He was a warrior. He, he, he didn't take anything from anybody. Have you ever been around fishermen? They're rough. I mean, I saw a man chew a lady out the other day on this pier. Just, she was just trying to pay for the fish, you know, but it wasn't going like he thought it would go. And just, he was disgusted. They're just kind of rough around the edges. Fishermen are. And Peter was just the embodiment of that. Peter would get down there and in and, and, and the last days, literally standing in the garden, they come to get Jesus. And you realize that Peter was trying to kill that guard. He wasn't aiming for his ear. That guy ducked. Right? I mean, you got to imagine Peter feels like he's defending the faith. He's going to kill this guy on behalf of Jesus. He's wild. This is a wild human we're talking about. Okay. Uh, Jesus is the only, I mean, not, Peter is the only disciple that Jesus called Satan. <laughs> I, you know, I just want to get like, like, like Peter Peter's the only disciple that walks around and says, get, you, are, you are Satan to me. Like, get behind me, Satan. That Jesus said this to Peter. And why? Because 
Here's what Peter decided he was going to do. He was going to correct Jesus. Jesus is saying, there's coming a day that I have to go. Right? So he comes out, I've got to go. I'm leaving and I want everyone to know. Peter's like, come here, Jesus. Come here. Come here. Stand next to me. Listen to me. You're not going to tell these guys this. Right? That's what he's essentially saying. You're not going to tell them that you're going to die. You're going to go away. That's not what, we didn't give up our life for you to die and go away. That didn't make any sense. You're not going to say that. Jesus returns and said, get thee behind me, Satan. He's the only guy in the amongst of all of these dudes that continues to put his foot in his mouth. Can you relate? Can you relate? I I find myself there all the time where I feel like I've arrived or maybe I know something that I think I know, but the Lord reminds me, just Scott, would you stop putting your foot in your mouth? Would you just trust me, follow me? Your instruction, Scott, was only to follow. You're trying to make yourself, but you really only have one job, follow. Have you ever gotten a place where you felt like you're making yourself? See, what Peter was essentially doing is that he said yes to Jesus, but he had his hand still on the net. Do you understand when I say that? He's saying yes to Jesus, but I'm not quite sure I want to let go of who I am. I'm saying yes to you, but there's some things and some habits inside of me that are just me. And it just have to, you'll have to excuse that those have to go with me. Peter lived his life always holding on to who he was. Trying, not quite understanding what Jesus was calling him out to do. He was just kind of holding on that like, I'm saying yes to this. But man, every time I seem to make a step forward in the kingdom or step forward in following Christ, seems like I could take a step back. I can't walk on water. Tried to kill a guy. I failed at that. Right? I can't. I I absolutely. Jesus called me Satan. You don't think he has some anxiety? Peter. Peter's also the guy who found himself in the in the worst of times, ultimately denying Christ. There's no other story outside of Judas who's turned their back on the Master. But Peter, Peter's warned. Jesus says, listen, this is what's about to happen. You're going to deny me three times. Who, me? I couldn't possibly deny you. Just tried to kill a soldier for you, right? There's no way. How many know that, that in time, tested in time, it's in the testing that comes into our lives, the trials of our life, how we respond to those trials in our life. Help us get a really good grasp on how much we're really trusting the Lord and how much we're holding on to who we were. See, the truth is, Peter was defending himself in the garden, but he was just afraid to die himself. So oftentimes we could think, yeah, he's, he's great. He was defending Jesus. Was he defending Jesus or was he defending himself? He happens to be the only one equipped. Nobody, no other swords are mentioned. No other weapons are in the story. It's the only one he carries. That's convenient. Really think about that. He's the only one to defend all 12 or the 11. Right? You, gotta, you have to imagine, like, he's, he's still holding on to this idea that if this doesn't work out, I still have this. Okay, this, this is how we know that. Look, go to uh, John, or if you, you don't have to, you just trust me, you can go back and read it, write it down. All right, go to John 21, and we get this picture because what happens is, is once Jesus has been brought in, right, 
there's been the crucifixion. There's this like mass like exodus. Everybody runs for the hills. 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 That's so southern. <laughs> right? You just heard a real southern word come out of my mouth. Hills. Uh, that is a hill. Hills. They run for the hills. They run for the mountains. Let me say it that way. That probably makes sense. Uh, so they take off. They're, they want to hide. They want to get out of Dodge, right? And so all the disciples, in fear of their own lives, they disperse. But in the dispersion of that, they come to, I can just imagine them as they split up. I also believe it's, it's, it's the, they're reminded of the teachings that the master gave them. And I believe it's those things that bring them back together. It's to say, wait, 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 wait. To, to leave right now doesn't make sense. He says to stay put. And they find themselves to come back together again. But this is interesting. Once Christ reveals himself to them, there's a period of time where they're just kind of left waiting. He says, go wait for me. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You guys are working through Acts right now, right? So as he's doing that, all of a sudden, Peter decides, I'm done. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. He says, I'm done. Listen, I've, I've, I've been holding on to Jesus. I've been holding on to my past, through my nets, my identity, the thing I know who I am. Right? How many know that when it gets tough, it's easy to go back to who you were? You've been doing, who, you've been doing that portion of your life so long. That's much easier, isn't it? It's easier to go back to that. It just feels better. Right? When this doesn't, when this disappoints. Well, okay, let me give an example. When the church doesn't quite do what you think the church should do, it's just easier to go back to this. Because you knew the church was going to fail anyway. When your sister and brother turn their back on you, or you have family problems, and you say, you know what, I've given my life to Christ until your family confronts you over it. And then you act like you don't even know Jesus. You're just like, well, look at these, look at my nets. I still have my nets. I, still, I know who I am, right? I'm still one of us. Family business, my nets. See, this is where, where Peter's at. This is how we know. Because when pressed, Peter finally gets done. He finally gets done. He's like, I'm, I'm done with it. I, I'm no good at being a disciple. I, I, have, I have failed on every account of trying to follow him because all I've tried to do is make myself a disciple. I just tried to make myself fit the mold. I just, I didn't know what to do. I just tried to make myself. And so in that process, he finally comes to the end and this is the way it reads. It says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. It's essentially to say, I'm done. I'm done. Like, you can have it. You can have it. Do you know where I'm going? I'm going fishing. I'm going to the thing I'm comfortable with. I'm going to the thing I already know. He says this. He said, I'm going fishing. Hey, the other disciples, hey, we'll come too. They all said, yeah, well, let's, go, let's all go. And they all, they, they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Verse 4, it says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. And he called out, hey, fellas, have you any fish? I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to talk about what happens when you finally give up. You say, I'm going back. Don't you know this had to be one of the most demoralizing things for Peter? Worse than anything else. I, hear me out. He gives up his life as a fisherman to become right? A fisher of men. He tries to fish for men 
and fails at fishing for men. He comes to the end of himself and says, I have no savior. I have no master. I have no discipleship that I'm proud of. There's nothing in me that I'm altogether excited about. I'm done. I'm going fishing. I go fishing and I can't catch a thing. There's nothing more gut-wrenching for a fisherman to get into those boats, to set out to where they know fish are, they are. I know where to fish and to pull in nothing. Do you know how frustrating that is? I don't know what business you're in. It's like you being skilled at whatever it is that you do and then just never being, being able to make traction in that. Waking up every single day, going into your job, and you try and you try and try and you come up empty-handed every time. You do that for a couple of days, that gets frustrating, doesn't it? It's just like, I know I'm good at this. Peter found himself in this place where he's like, I know how to fish. Can you imagine? Put yourself in his shoes. I know how to do this. Listen, when you need a confidence builder as a fisherman, you don't go out to new territories. You don't go out to new water. Where do you go? Where would you go? You go to your old fishing hole. You go to where you've always caught fish. Right, if I'm a fisherman, I, I, hey, listen, I know where to go. I know what time to get there. Fellas, follow me. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to doing what we do. Let's get in the boat. And it says, Peter and his boys fished all night. Cast the nets. Pulling it back, nothing. Cast the nets. Pulling it back, nothing. Cast the nets. Pulling it back, nothing. Oh, that's it. Can you imagine? He takes his clothes off, right? He says, I'm taking my clothes off on this. I got to get, I got to get freed up, right? Hey, I'm, that was just, I'm knocking the rust off, if you will. That's what we would say. We're just, I'm getting used to it again. Come on, just, just bear with me. We're going to see fish in just a second. All night long, Peter's trying to convince his boys. More importantly, he's trying to convince himself who he was is still present. But what he's finding out is even the thing that he had confidence in is no more. Doesn't work. Keeps throwing. But Jesus. Don't you love Jesus comes full circle with Peter again on the shore? <laughs> He's like, Peter, hey, fellas, have you any fish? Is there a more demoralizing statement that you can hear? Is there nothing more frustrating from a man who's not fishing from the shore to give you instruction on how to fish? To say, I noticed you have no fish. But he doesn't say it that way. He says it more, well, rude. In, in a more demoralizing way. And that way is this. Have you any fish? Right? Question mark, emoji, put all that at the end of it. Right? Right? Sad face with a tear. Right? Like that's what, you would just get that image. Right? How terrible is this? Have you any fish? And his response is just like, I... I would just have to believe there were some things coming off of Peter's mouth that probably weren't honoring of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have a feeling there were some thoughts that possibly came across his mind. Oh, man on the shore, right? Thanks for the question, right? Especially when the man from the shore says, you know, just throw your nets on the right side. Can you imagine Peter like, guys, did you hear that? The right side. 
I'm so glad you came along because we didn't realize there was a right side of the boat since we've been out here all night. Can you imagine? That's got to be the dialogue. Or at least it would be for me. Like, are you serious? Like the right side of the boat? Like I didn't know that existed? Like there's no fish between the five feet, right? On this, five feet under my boat, there's more fish on this side that I can't catch on this side. Like you have to imagine the logic. And Peter's just like frustrated with where he's at. He's good at fishing, but he can't even get it right. Jesus is like, have you any fish? Hey, fellas, just throw the net on the right side. Like, oh, whatever. You know, we've been here all night. Toss the net over. They catch this huge, huge catch of fish. And you just got to think, if you're Peter, like, seriously, seriously. I've been here all night. This one dude comes across the seashore, and I've been embarrassed in front of all my boys out here trying to show off that I know how to fish again. And then all of a sudden, just throw it on the right side. There's fish. But John says, right, says the one he loved says to him, it's the master. And before that sentence can hit and really settle in Peter's heart, he picks up his cloak, jumps back into the water. What's up with Peter not wanting to stay in the boat? This guy is out of control, right? He immediately Bounds out of the boat, heads into the shore. This is, I just want to get you to understand something. That, that, that despite all that Peter was facing, all that he was up against, his desire to make himself into something, I go back to what I said at the beginning, was not his job to begin with. The making is for God. The following is for us. The following is for Peter. If, if he would have understood that early on, there would have been probably a breakthrough quicker in his life than it took this long. But he was constantly trying to make himself something that he had not quite understood yet. And in the pursuit, and listen, the love of Jesus, that before he even left the earth, knew he wanted to redeem back to Peter who he was called to be. He found, finds him on the seashore and he says, Peter, come here. That that you're fishing for, I already have cooking here for you. That thing that you think you want is already established here. I believe this, that the trans, literally, the, the transformation in Peter's life was the second he jumped out of the boat that day. The day he jumped out of that boat and pursued Jesus was the day his life changed forever. I believe this, it was the day that all hell shook when they saw Peter get out of that boat. Why? Because Peter finally understood he finally realized, I am no longer this, but you have made me a fisher of men. That's what you call me to be. Everything I'm trying to do. But isn't it interesting that even in his trying to do things the old way, there was a blessing in it. There was fish to be caught. Now, now here's the key. Here's the key. What makes this a defining moment for Peter is that he leaves the fish. He leaves them. Because he realizes in that moment, it's not the fish I want. It's not the skill I want. It's none of that. It's Jesus is who I want. When our lives finally come down to this one phrase, it's just Jesus I want in my life. It's not fame. It's not fortune. It's not success. It's not anything else. It's not a platform. It's not your ministry. It's none of those things. If those things supersede just having him, because that's what he wants from us. He wants us. He wants our relationship. Making you who he wants you to be, well, that's his job. 
you just follow him. He'll establish you. He'll bring you into your season, in due season, right? Same thing with Peter. He wanted it so bad. It wasn't to that moment. Why is it, why is it a pivotal moment for Peter? Because you never, ever hear about Peter going fishing again. You do hear about him fishing for men just a couple of chapters later. Because he finds out the net that he was really holding on to, though he was tossing it out to catch fish, the real net was the message that he was going to give to the early church. He would deliver the inaugural address of the early church. He would be the one who stands up and declares, this is right the move of the Lord and we will be the church that he established. That message comes from his mouth. He takes what he's been gifted and skilled in and all of a sudden that transformation between a fisherman to a fisherman of men is all contingent on him being able to turn his back on what he thought he wanted even when it was blessed because he pursued the thing that was greater. It was him. The greater thing for us is him. The greater thing for us is him. You don't think I want, I want to be successful at everything I do? Absolutely. You don't think I want to be a great father? Absolutely. I, I, my desire is to father well. But those things can't supersede this one thing, my relationship with him. Here's what I know. That when I come into that understanding, as I lean into the relationship with Jesus, he says that when I seek him first in his kingdom, all these other things will be added to me. That everything that comes out of him is the byproduct. Right? The, the things that, that I get, the benefits of my life, the, the peace and the love and the joy and the, 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 the spiritual resources that come from Him, those are the byproduct of relationship in Him. It's being in oneness with Him. That's got to be our pursuit. It's not to have a church that has 10,000 people in it. That's not the pursuit. Do we want successful churches? Well, yes, I think that's a great image of the blessing of God. But that's not my pursuit. My pursuit is Him. If we will pursue Him, there won't be enough churches to hold the amount of people that will come into the kingdom. Because there are people waiting to see how you respond to Him. The problem is, is we constantly try to bring who we were into who we are now. And it forces us to try to do and to try to be something that we weren't called to be. It was in that moment that we see Peter turn his life around. And I tell you what, I believe this. I believe his ministry, his life was in that turning point. All the striving is over. He's got everything he wants now. You want fishing? You can have it. Here's a whole boatload of fish. It's in that split second decision. I don't want the fish I don't care about the boat. I don't care about the... I just want you. I want you. And in that, he gives him his name back. Remember on the, on, on, it's on the shore there where he says, Peter, do you love me? Isn't it interesting that he gives him three opportunities? Do you love me? Do you love me? Right? Do you love me again? Right? What is he doing? He's redeeming the three that he gave up. Do you know me? No, I don't know him. You were with him. No, three times denied. He gets to three times redeem that decision. And he says, Peter, I'm going to build my church on top of you. You're a rock. You're a rock. 
He got a name that day. He got a ministry that day. He got focused that day. Maybe that day for us is today. Maybe for us it's to, to remind ourselves, look, there, we're in here, we're followers, we love him. We, there was such a powerful worship. Thank you. And it was amazing. You did a great job. There's a, the presence of the Lord is very present. And we're pursuing him and we want that. But I'm just telling you that you can't lose making him the center of every part of your life. When you do and you try to say, you know what, you know, that's kind of not turned out like I thought it was going to, so I'm just kind of kind of keep my hands into what was. I just can encourage I can I encourage you? Don't be like, don't be like many of us, myself included, Peter, where we're just so stiff-necked, stubborn, and just we gotta do it our way. You're not gonna make you. That's his job. My job, your job, our job. Follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you. Fishers of men. I'll make you successful at what you do. I will make you who I created you to be. I will develop in you those things that you want. I know what you want. Don't you know the Lord knows your heart's desire? Don't you know that he has your best interest at hand? And if you do know that, there's a level of trust that is sort of like a lean back. Let me tell you about a level of trust that a little story of mine uh, with my dad. My dad's been in ministry for years. He's our hero. And we just love him. He, if you ever meet him, he, he just brings you to tears instantaneously because of his passion for the Lord and his heart to see people come to know him. It's just, it's motivating in, in so many ways. But this is a story not about that. This story about my dad is him trying to teach me as a young boy how to hunt. We hunt in America, right? They give guns to young men and send them out in the woods and say, kill something so we can eat for our family. It's just manly. It's raw, you know, just, just the way it is. But as a young man, you, you typically go hunting with your father so he can teach you how is it done, right? Just like a dad would teach their son a craft, right? And so I can remember as a young age, we would go into the woods. My dad would be like, all right, we're going in here and we're going to our, our particular spot where we're going to sit down and we're going to wait to have a shot at something. Okay, so we're going to do it. And he said, now listen, this is the instruction, Scott. I need you to do this for me. I need you to be very quiet. Can't just run into the woods, right? If you run into the woods, everything runs off. You have to quietly walk into the woods. And so I said, okay, quietly. I got that. I got quiet. I'm quiet. I'm a quiet 12-year-old. I, I, I know how to be quiet, right? And, and, of course, if you've been around any 12-year-olds, they're, they're just never quiet, right? Then, and so I tried. So I'm, I'm there, and I'm walking through the woods. But when I'm walking through the woods, I'm, like, kicking stuff around. Like, I'm kicking a branch, and I get, you know, I just kind of get sidetracked with the jaunt. You know, we're walking, so I'm just, like, kicking leaves and making noise. And my dad's like, hey, shh, shh, hey, shh, hush, hush, hush. You're going to scare everything off. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got it, I got it. We're, just, we're sneaking into the woods, Right? So, right, so I'd, I'd sneak for a little bit longer, but it's quite a bit of a walk. And then, like all 12-year-olds, you get distracted, right? And so I'm just like, oh, this is a cool stick. And I pick it up, and I start banging it around on stuff. My dad turned around like, hey, hey, put the stick down. Like, you wouldn't be able to kill anything with the stick. Put the stick down, right? Like, just focus with me, please. He said, I'll tell you what. This is what you do. You take every step that I take. That's how I know that you understand. So where I step, you step. And so for the rest of the walk into the woods, wherever he would step, he'd stand right in front of me. 
I was sitting there right behind him. He'd step and then I'd just step in the same footprint. And then he'd step and I'd step in the same footprint. And he'd step and I'd step. And I realized later on in life that for the first couple of years of my life, I didn't actually hunt anything. I didn't hunt anything. I don't remember seeing any animals. I never saw any. You know what I did do? I learned how to follow in my dad's footsteps. I learned how to put my foot where he was stepping. I learned how to just stay in sync. Why? Because this is the lesson that, that Peter is having to learn as well. Every step with the Father in mind. Every step thinking like, okay, like I just I want to get in alignment to where he's going and what he's doing. And eventually I learned a few skills. Eventually I learned how to do some things that I didn't have before. But it wasn't because I just randomly went about doing it. There is a way. My encouragement to you today is this. The Father's constantly stepping out in front of you and leading the way if you'll let him. Or you can drag him. Which way do you want to do it? You want, him to drag, you want to drag the Lord your way? Is your way better than His way? Is our ways better than His? I think we already know the answer to this, right? No, right? If it were, we wouldn't have any need for Him. There's not a person in this room that is in a desperate need of a father. Desperate need of the love of a father. And one who will guide you and direct you. I would say we've got to get in a place spiritually where we're saying... We just want to get in step with the Father. Wherever he goes, I want to step with the Father. If we'll do that, I believe there's no limit to what God can do in your life. I believe there's no limit to the success you'll have. I believe there's no limit in your business and the influence you're going to have with your family. I believe he's going to give you the courage and the boldness to be all that he's creating you to be, right? He's going to give you unique opportunities that will only come through just being obedient to him and waiting on him. That's what we're looking for. That's really what Peter was wanting that day when he said, okay, I'm going to follow you, but you know, I'm going to hold on to this thing. But it was that ending of his story that he finally, the light bulb came on. I don't need that. I don't need this. I need you as long as I have you. As long as I have you, I have everything I need. When we are a body that lives that way, operates that way, there are so many people who are waiting for us to hear the gospel to hear the story, but they're waiting to see, are you committed? Are you in it? Are you really in love with this? Thing? Are you, is, is, is that relationship so strong that you refuse everything else? Man, I'll tell you what, that's where we have to be. That's what it means to follow Christ. Amen? Today, I want to pray for you. I just, if this okay? Can I, are you guys okay with this? Can I pray, pray over you today? Listen, and come, come help me. We call this guilt music, right? Right. So what you do is like in, in the U.S., I usually ask them, come here, make me feel guilty. You know, like, so like have them come and play and they play a sad song so I feel bad about keeping you any longer. Uh, so come and just bring me some guilt music. Um, I'm just kidding. It's not that. What it is is setting an atmosphere, all right? And today our team's here. We're here. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you as a church. I want to pray for you as believers. And I don't know what you walked into the room with today. Man, I love what you said uh, to open up, Pastor James. It was perfect. I love that. Oftentimes people say, just leave at the door. I'm not leaving anything at that door. I don't know about you, but whatever I brought in, I don't plan to take home today. You don't have to take that stuff home today. The struggles and frustrations, questions. You know, questions don't bother God. He doesn't get offended by our questions. You know, he's a pretty confident guy. He 
created the universe. <laughs> it feels pretty good about himself, right? You questioning him doesn't make him nervous. I think it makes him hungry for more relationship with you. I think it excites him to draw close to us. When we sing and we preach the gospel, and we, we're here together. It's really just to say, God, we're making ourselves available. There's nothing that I brought today that he can't handle. Man, I don't know anyone else in my life that I can bring that kind of heavy weight, that kind of trouble. I don't know anyone else in my life that can handle that. Not even my wife can handle that. She's a pretty strong lady. It's, it's the Lord. And he, wants to, he wants to take our burdens. He wants to make life light, right? Not easy. He didn't say I'm going to make your life easy. He's just going to make it light. It only becomes light, right, when he carries the weight with us, right? When we allow him to carry the big portion of the weight. Uh, let me maybe explain it like this. Have you ever been asked to move a friend out of a house? Have you ever been asked to do that? Where you, they ask you to come over and, hey, we're going to feed you, you know, which means like they say it's going to take two hours. You know that means it's going to take 10 hours, you know, to do everything they want to do, usually, right? And, and we're bad about doing this all the time. We leverage our friendships to do that, bring them over. Have you ever been around something really heavy? And it's like four or five guys lifting up some real heavy piece of furniture or something. And then all of a sudden it gets kind of hard to make a turn, like in the hallway or in the house. And then someone says, well, we need someone to open the door. And there's always that one guy that just kind of lets go of it and goes and opens the door. But have you ever noticed that when that guy lets go, like nothing changed? Do you see what I mean? Like the weight is still the same, which makes me think about this guy. What were you doing around the piece of furniture. For us, it was like a piano. A big group of us were carrying a big piano out of a house. We're like, we need you to open the door. This kid just like, oh, okay. And he gets up and leaves. Like, and we're like, hold on. What, what are you doing? You weren't carrying anything. Thanks for helping, right? What I mean by that is you can oftentimes be around, right, feeling like you're carrying the weight. Because when Christ is there, it's like he's carrying the most of it so we're actually able to step out of it and allow him to do the work. Today, I want to invite you to just say, first of all, God, these things that I'm trying to make in myself, that striving that's inside of me, because culturally that feels like that's what we're supposed to do. But how many know that this culture isn't his culture? That's very hard to understand sometimes. But this world is not his world. Like that culture is not the same. There is a kingdom culture that he, in, he, he endeavors to see li with, living within inside of each and every one of his believers. But like we often get it confused. Like we have to do exactly what they say to do here. It has to be done this way. Our values have to be these values. And all of a sudden you don't even realize it. But a few, right? a few years into it, all of a sudden you're more concerned about it than you are about him. This is, this is, this is the calling out. He's saying, follow me and I'll re calibrate you, redirect you. You're doing the right thing, right? You're fishing, but it's for the wrong stuff. Same, same for us. You said yes to me, you're pursuing me, but for the wrong reason. I'm calling you to pursue me for me, not for what I give, right? And when we get to that place, all these other things are added. All those byproducts of who he is come. 
Today, He wants to rid us of the weight and the burden of trying to produce something that was never our job to do. And this is the one request He says. Follow me. Today is simply to remind us that we have one job. Follow Him. Follow the leading of the Spirit. Follow what He's asked us to do. When we follow Him, He leads us into conversations. He leads us into people's lives we would have never even had. That interaction had we not just followed him. Amen? Would you bow your heads real quick and pray over you? Heavenly Father, we honor you today. We lift you up above all things. We celebrate you. God, you're so amazing. God, you just, you bring so much passion into our life. And, and God, I just thank you that today as you recalibrate, redirect us, God, you, you set us apart, God, for a reason so that you could build in us the kingdom of God. You could instill in us the value systems of heaven. God, we just give ourselves back to that process, God. Just in the way Peter, we just give ourselves back to it. We recognize that the most important thing for us is that you are present in our hearts and our lives. That everything else, God, everything else will be added to us. All of our dreams and our passions, God, those things that you gave us, God, those, those become lightweight when we give them to you. God, help us to be better followers, God. Help us to not try to hold on to things, feeling like, well, if we'll just figure this part of our life out, then I can present it to the Lord because it'll look better. But God, you don't care about the way it looks because it's going to look different anyway. It's going to look different anyway. And God, you want to look like you. God, I just pray that, that the people in this room would recognize your love and your compassion. God, that they're, the burdens that they carry today, the stress of living life, the stress of leading families and businesses and and God, just leading their lives, God, uh, to honor you, God, the stress that comes with that, God, I would pray that you would cause us to pause, throw the net on the other side, to jump out of the boat, to pursue you, and to redeem all of the broken times, to redeem all of the broken por portions of our life. We give you access. We invite you, God, to just show up. Shed your light on every dark place in our life, every hidden spot, every area that has been unsubmitted to you. God, we submit it to you today. We say you have access. You're welcome to come in. Shed light on that area. Give us the courage to invite you into that space. If you're here today, you say, you know, I, I, I would love prayer. Like there are things in my life that I just would like prayer about. Oftentimes altar calls can feel like you only do an altar call for salvation. It's not an altar call to salvation. That's not what it is. It's a simple request. I, I, want, I want someone to agree with me about my life, about my situation. I, I want someone to come alongside of me and encourage me in prayer. That's why we came here from America, to encourage you in prayer. It may be over family, it may be over business. It doesn't really matter what it is. It really is just you say, you know what, Scott, I, I could really use someone to come into agreement with me about where I'm at today. If that's you today, slip up your hand. I, 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 wanna, I wanna pray for you today. I don't wanna embarrass you. That would never be our, our goal here. But allow us to know who is in need of prayer today. Is there anybody? Yes, yes, I see a few. Yes, 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 yes. There are tons of hands up today. Tons of hands up. Tons of hands up. Come on, if, if it's okay with you, can we... Can I, can I, can I, can we just pray? Can we, can we lay hands on those and pray? Like, I'm going to have our, our team just kind of come and just, just to pray over you and just ask the Lord to be with you. 
And if, if it's okay with you, that's just, that, I just want to do that. I'll pray, and if you guys can kind of just move out and just and pray for those whose hands. If you want prayer, just lift your hands so I know who, who, and the team knows. Okay, great. Lord, we honor you today. We thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our room, into our lives. We make ourselves available to you today, God. We thank you for Destiny Church. We thank you. We thank you for the, 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 the spirit that we feel in this room. God, we thank you that you called us here to cycle for this reason. That we're here, a, a group of believers to come together and we just submit to you today, oh God, that our lives are your lives, God. Our, our thoughts are your thoughts. Our dreams are your dreams. God, we submit every part of our life to you. Our families belong to you. We lay them, God, before you. And we just say, give us the grace and the courage. Give us the wisdom, insight, and direction, God. We need you today. God, we ask that you would guide our steps, God. God, where there have been struggles, God, of, of disappointment. God, where we felt like we may have failed you or failed our families. God, I pray a restoration, God, be given today, God. Would you restore our hearts? Would you give us the, the joy of salvation? The, the, the Prince of Peace is what we desire. To, we welcome you into our life. And we just pray, God, would you do, God, what only you can do? God, would you go into those areas of our hearts that only you will go? God, we, 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 it's too painful to let others go there. But God, you said that if you'd give me access, I'll clean you. I'll restore you. I'll deliver you. I'll equip you. I'll encourage you. I'll be your strength when you're weak. God, we thank you today. God, as we give you our lives, as we resubmit, God, to you, we say, God, our only desire is to follow you. Forgive us if we've spent all of our time trying to make ourselves. Now, forgive us that making ourselves have become the priority. But God, you didn't call me to make myself. You called me to follow you. The making is yours. The development of me is on you. Me becoming more like you is, well, all about you. God, we, we just, we recommit ourselves to that process. God, it's a process. It's not a, it's not a destination. It's a process. It's us waking up every single day with a submitted heart. It's waking up every single day with a yes in our mouth. It's waking up every single day just determined that you will be glorified with this life. This life on this earth will glorify you. That heaven has come and it's come through me. It's come through you. It's come through this church. It's come through the believers of this community. Heaven is here. It is present. And we make room for you here in Saicom. We make room for you in our government. We make room for you in our educational systems. We make room for you in our businesses. We make room for you in our city officials and the things that are being done in this town, God. We, we make room for you. We stand in the gap, God. We simply ask you to give us wisdom, insight, direction. How are we to move? How are we to step? We are completely dependent on you today. God, I thank you for restoring unto us, God. Restoring unto us, God, those broken moments, those times, those, those, those frustrating, hard times to navigate. God, we give those to you. And we ask for you to give us the strength and the grace. Oh, God, we know you can do it. We know you can do it. You're doing it. You're, you're doing it even now, God. You're doing it. And this we do for your glory, God. 
This we allow for you to be lifted up. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you that as it continues to trust you, God, I pray for a special grace to fall on this house, God. Favor in every area. God, I pray that as they open up their mouths, they declare their loyalty, their love, and their, God, they're just a passion to see you lifted up. God, I pray that it would fall on, on good ground. God, I pray that the seeds that have been sown in this community, God, that they would produce fruit. And God, we ask for fruit that remains. God, we, not, we don't want one season of fruit. We want a lifetime of fruit. We want there to be a continual season of fruit, of development, God, of seed planting, God, and harvest, God. We want to see that cycle over and over and over. We want that to be a, a generational thing that goes on and on and on and on, that, that God, many will years from now look back at the humble beginnings of a destiny church that took a risk and said, you know what, I believe that God is trying to do something and I want to make myself available for it. God, I thank you for those who are being called to lead that movement. God, I pray for an anointing, a fresh anointing over their life. A fresh anointing to preach the gospel. A fresh anointing to teach. A fresh anointing to finance, God, all the dreams that you've given us to do. God, we know this, that you are going to use men and women to move your kingdom your message down the road we pray for more souls god we thank you that many will come into the understanding knowledge of christ and as they move into that god they move into the responsibility and the joy god of walking out this awesome relationship with you this awesome awesome opportunity to advance your kingdom in this city we thank you for it today we bless you lord thank you for these men and women today give them strength give them grace Give them courage to face the day. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, 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 amen.